Praise the Lord. Today for the meditation of scriptures, let us open the Bibles and turn to Psalm 76. Psalm 76 is a psalm written by Asaph or a family of Asaph and we understand that the theme of this psalm talks about the judgment that God inflicted on the Assyrian army which is recorded in Isaiah chapter 37 and 38 as well as 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. When we look at the historical setting, we understand that Sennacherib, the uh, commander-in-chief and the other officers generally came and boasted about themselves, their kings and their gods and they started blaspheming God and going against the king of Israel. And God shows his power over all these Gentile forces by accomplishing that mighty victory. And uh, this psalm is a remembrance for that event as well. This is a psalm that magnifies the glory and majesty of God and it is an awesome psalm because it generates a reverential fear of God in every person who reads it. The psalm is divided into four sections. Verses 1 to 3 talks about the fact that God is great and that he wants us to know him. And verses 4 to 6 talk about the fact that God is glorious. And verses 7 to 9 talks about the fact that God is to be feared for his mighty and awesome in judgments. And finally, verses 10 to 12 talk about the response that God expects from his disciples, that is obedience and love. Let us look at verses 1 to 3. In Judah, God is known. His name is great in Israel. His abode has been established in Salem and his dwelling place in Zion. There he broke the flashing arrows, the shield and the sword and the weapons of war. The first two verses show different levels of knowledge and experience of God that many people can have. We see that the name of God is great in Israel. In Judah, God is known personally. His, his, his nature and character and ways are known more personally in Judah. And the word says his abode has been established in Jerusalem and his dwelling place in Zion. Meaning spiritually when we look at these verses we understand that there are different ways of knowing God and we need to start aspiring to have the greater knowledge and experience of him than ever before. And the desire that God is telling to us through these verses of the psalm is that he wants us to know him. He knows us but he wants us to know him in a more intimate manner. And this was one of the hard desires that Paul ex exhibited in his various uh, epistles as well, where he says that I may know him, that I may know his, the power of his resurrection, that I may know the fellowship of his suffering. Overall experience of Paul was to have that greater knowledge, that excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus was something that he always strove, that's something that he always aspired to obtain. And God wants us to be likewise desiring to know him more and more. True knowledge of God comes not from a head knowledge or knowing about God but knowing him intimately from a relationship and that tenderness and love is what makes us actually know God. At this point of time in Israel we understand that the northern kingdom was already overtaken by the Assyrians and many godly people had moved into Judah and there was a descendant of David on the throne and real priests of God were ministering in God's appointed temple as well and we understand for God, although the kingdom had been divided and Israel and Judah had been separated politically, it was still one covenant people in the eyes of God. And God says in Israel, his name is great. In Judah, his name is known. He is known. And this really was the purpose of God calling Israel as a nation as well. God wanted them to know him intimately, to know his ways intimately so that 
they then could carry forward the mission of god among the neighboring nations of israel so that the glory of god and the might of god and the light of god would be revealed to the nations of uh, the nations that were surrounding israel as well that was the calling of israel this sam talks about a particular event in the israel uh, the history of israel where uh, uh, jerusalem was actually surrounded by the assyrian army they camped near jerusalem and they threatened to attack and they made blasphemous statements against god and uh, reviling statements against the king and god took it very personally and what happened was the angel of the lord visited the camp and killed 185000 soldiers and all the abandoned implements of war were actually just strewn there in the battleground it was really not even a battle from that perspective because the mighty act of god had completely destroyed the army of the enemies and that is what is remembered in verse 3 where he says there he broke the flashing arrows the shield the sword and the weapons of war verses 1 to 3 comes to a, an end with a remembrance of this mighty work of god this mighty act of god and verses 4 to 6 talks about the fact that god is glorious the psalmist says glorious are you more majestic than the mountains of prey the stout hearted were stripped of their spoil they sank into sleep all the men of war were unable to use their hands at your rebuke o god of jacob both rider and the horse lay stunned when we read the account of history in isaiah chapter 36 and 37 as well as in second kings uh, chapter 18 and 19 we understand that king hezekiah was placed in a very dangerous and a very difficult situation the large assyrian army was threatening to attack judah and he needed much faith in order to trust god for a victory but god when he was trusted what he did was he completely wiped out the assyrian soldiers and that entire army even as they slept and a single angel accomplished this mighty task alone we see that this complete and utter defeat put fear of the lord into the hearts of the leaders of the enemies of israel and when we look at the background we need to understand how this victory was accomplished dearly beloved we need to see the the emotions that king hezekiah went through when all these command com- commanders of the enemy armies came and started reviling the kings and started blaspheming the god the one true living god yahweh and what king hezekiah did was he took all the people aside he declared a mourning and he went into the presence of god and he personally asked god to speak to him and to consider the difficult situation that they were right now in and god in his mercy god in his grace what he did was he spoke and we understand that the king hezekiah as well as the elders of judah and jerusalem they all listened to the word of god that was revealed and they put their entire faith and trust in god god says in isaiah chapter 37 verse 35 for i will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant david's sake and the fact that god said this put a lot of faith into the hearts of all these people who were in despair and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god and that is exactly what happened here they heard the word of god that said i will defend the city to save it for my sake and for my servant david's sake and they were encouraged greatly because of that great promise that came from god and what the lord 
has promised he is well able to and willing to fulfill in our lives as well he wants us to trust him that is the main thing god is glorious and he is worthy of all the trust that we have we need to trust him in order to see the mighty acts of god come to pass in our lives here the word of god says the mighty enemies who were stout hearted they were stripped of their spoil they sank into sleep they were dead the men of war were unable to use their hands because they had been sent to a sleep and that talks about the death as well and both the rider and the horse lay stunned a complete victory that god gave to the nation of juda and we understand that god is able to work powerfully in such a manner in our lives today also may not be in the very same manner by exterminating and killing people but god's hand is ever powerful to act in a powerful manner in our lives as well today and a god who acts so powerfully is worthy to be feared the fear of the lord is a major theme of the psalm and verses 7 to 9 talks about that god is a god to be feared and the word says verse 7 but you you are to be feared who can stand before you once your anger is roused from heavens you uttered judgment the earth feared and was still when god arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth we see that the fear of the lord is something that is repeated in verses 7 verse 8 verse 11 verse 12 and it means that reverential awe the respect and that veneration that belongs to god and god alone now we are called as god's people to love him and to rejoice in him but we are also called to worship the lord with reverence and to rejoice with trembling and as tosser writes aw tosser writes no one can know the true grace of god without first knowing the fear of god and the fear of god is indeed the beginning of wisdom is the beginning of knowledge knowledge of god true knowledge of god comes after having known the fear of the lord itself the mighty judgment that he executed on the enemies of israel does not only strike fear in the hearts of the enemies of israel but it also fills the worshipers the covenant people with a reverential and awesome fear of god and that is one of the reasons why god publicly displays his anger against some of the enemies of god itself so that everyone every person the enemies of god as well as the covenant people will all start fearing god and will have a more reverential attitude towards him we need the grace of god to understand the two facts that number one god is a god of love god is love himself as we see in 1 john chapter 4 verse 8 but we must also remember along with that that our god is a consuming fire and knowing both these together is one of the blessed experiences of christian life that god is a god of love and god is a consuming fire are not contradictory with each other but they are complementary characteristics of god they are con- complementary attributes of god that exist together in the great and awesome and complex person that god is and the moment we realize that we enter into that relationship with god because god is a god of love but we also carry ourselves in a manner that is worthy of the lord's calling because our god is a consuming fire in verse 9 we read 8 and 9 we read that god utters the judgment from heaven and the entire earth feared and was still and god arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth now according to these verses we understand that the judgments of god accomplish three purposes at least number one they bring glory to god as the judgments of god reveal his justice and his holiness 
Number two, they punish the wicked for their evil deeds. And number three, they bring salvation to those who are trusting in the Lord and those who are faithful to God. And we come to the last section of the psalm, verses 10 to 12, where God wants us to realize that he deserves to be obeyed. He is a God who wants to be obeyed. And the verses go like this. Verse 10 says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise you, and the remnant of wrath you will put on like a belt. Verse 10 is a very tricky verse to interpret and many of the scholars have tried to interpret that in a just manner. And it seems, when I understand from the various commentaries, what God is really talking about is this. What is the worst thing that man can do? He can have anger towards God. He can have wrath towards God. But even the anger of man and the wrath of man is something quite insignificant before God. And what God says is, it's almost like a praise that you are saying before me. And what God says is that wrath he shall wear as an ornament around himself because he is not affected by the mere wrath of a mere mortal human being. The more people rage against the one true living God, more he is glorified. And the longer the Pharaoh refused to submit to God, the more Egypt was destroyed and the more was the glory that God received in executing that judgment as well. In this verse and in this section of the psalm, the psalmist wants us to remember that we are not called to be accounted along with the ones who are having the wrath of man towards God, but rather he wants us to be the grateful saints of God who have experienced the salvation that the Lord says in verse 9. God is a God of salvation and he has rescued us. He has saved us from our sins and he is a covenant keeping God and he has established every promise and kept those promises that he has made towards us. And the natural response that we need to have towards that wonderful God is that we ourselves should keep the vows that we have made in the presence of God and to perform them. In a New Testament perspective, God does not want us to make vows that we cannot keep, but rather God wants us to enter into that blessed experience of obeying him out of the abundance of our heart, out of a grateful response towards him as a living sacrifice when we are in the presence of God, obeying him out of the love that he has for us and out of the love that we have for him, God is glorified in that kind of uh, sacrifice that we make before him. Everything that we do towards our God is our reasonable service that we perform towards him because he is the one who has redeemed us. He is the one who has saved us and our uh, heart attitude should be one of always thanksgiving and praise towards him who has done such mighty acts and mighty deeds on our behalf. And the word reminds us in verses 11 and 12 that all the people around him will bring him gifts to him who is to be feared who cuts off the spirits of the princes, who is to be feared by the kings of the earth. We started from Jerusalem and Judah. We started from Zion and Israel. And we finally come to the ends of the earth, where God is not just revered, but he is also worshipped and he is feared by all the peoples of the earth. Dearly beloved, let the psalm speak the com words of comfort into our hearts. What the Lord wants us to understand is that he wants to be great in our hearts. He wants to be known in our hearts. He wants to be glorious in our lives. He wants to be feared by the deepest desires of our heart. And he wants to be obeyed as a natural response to what he has done in our lives. May the words of these Sam give us comfort and edify us. May God bless us through the words of the Sam.